Now entering Nerdist.com. Welcome to the Writers Panel. I'm Ben Blacker, the creator and moderator of the podcast. I created the show because I wanted to talk to writers about the business and process of writing. I've had more than 400 writers on the show, so go back and check the archives. I'm sure you'll find more creators and more shows that you're interested in. I'm a writer myself, having written with my partner Ben Acker for Supernatural, Puss in Boots, FX's Cassius and Clay, among others. We've also written comics from Marvel, Image, Dynamite, and more. We created a show called The Thrilling Adventure Hour. Maybe you'd like it. Go to thrillingadventurehour.com for more info. Let me know who you want to hear on this podcast by following me on Twitter, at Ben Blacker, like the color, only more so, uh, and follow me on Tumblr at writerspanel.tumblr.com. And if you enjoy the show, please leave a review on iTunes. It always makes me feel good about myself. They write, they talk, and talk about what they write. Tune in tonight, or whenever the time is right. It's the Writer's Panel with Ben Blacker, and it's starting now. Oh, yeah. I mean, Baena, like, I really wish that was a thing, but I think at this point, like, I'm behind the eight ball, so it's probably Baena. But it's really Baena. This is what we're starting with. Jeff yeah. Baena's here. Yeah, or Baena. <laughs> Thank you for being here. Uh, Jeff is the writer-director of Joshi, a new film. That's right. Is it out already? Yeah, it is out. Congratulations. Yeah, unbeknownst to most people. Yeah, it's out. Um, it's on VOD, and it's in some theaters. Okay, great. Yeah. Um, tell me about... This movie. You, you've written a few screenplays. You had directed, written and directed uh, Life After Beth. Right. Um, so, so why this movie? Why was this the next thing you wanted to do? This was actually the first thing I was going to direct. Um, so, as a, I mean, because we're talking about screenwriting and stuff, I started off as a screenwriter. Mm-hmm. I, always, I went to film school, and my goal was to always be a director. But um, when I graduated, I, my first job out here in Los Angeles was working with Robert Zemeckis. So I worked on What Lies Beneath and Castaway as a PA and got a lot of experience in production. And then... Um, I linked up with David O. Russell and started working with him as a uh, first as an assistant editor, but then we became co-writers together. So we wrote um, I Heart Huckabees together. We wrote like three other scripts together. And around that time, I had written uh, Life After Beth. I think it was like 2003. I tried to get that going and it kind of fell apart at the last second due to like a bunch of stuff that was out of my control. And um, sort of put that off to the side and then just kind of focused on screenwriting for, I guess it was like 10 years or something. And then um, a friend of mine who runs American Zoetrope kind of figured out this scam with the, um, it's not a scam, but it feels like, a, it always feels like a scam when you're doing <laughs> sure. this shit. If you're getting um, away with actually making a thing. Yeah, so it, it's basically a scam. But you, you get a tax credit from California if you shoot here. And so we got the tax credit, you put my name in, and um, I was going to make this movie Joshi. Um, and back then it was sort of a sort of different incarnation. It was the same idea. I wanted to do, um, more of an improvised thing. I was always inspired by Robert Altman and that was someone that I'd kind of, um, looked at too in terms of his process and how he would work with a script and then kind of abandon the script and kind of just let the actors sort of feel it out. Um, and then, so Adam Pally and I had talked about this idea for, I don't know, a while. He, he and I play basketball together. So this was back in like 2012 and I mean, this story, this story feels like it's like going so many different directions. No, it's so is, complicated. You're, you're giving us a lot to sort of dig into afterwards. Yeah, so, so I'm, giving, I'm setting, like, the, setting the table for let's you. Let's get the framework. Yeah, so we play basketball together. Um, some people, I, I guess some people are actually in the movie also play basketball with us. Like Jake Johnson, who's in the movie, he, he's the reason I got into this league way back before we started playing at Hollywood High. And um, yeah, so Pally was like, I got this really weird weekend, weekend lined up. Um, and we started talking about his this bachelor party he was going to go on and sort of was a springboard conversation that led to this idea 
um, that became Joshi. And we kind of got it together. We had the tax credit. And then um, Pally's mom passed away, unfortunately. And so we kind of put it in the back burner. And then because I had that script, Life After Beth, that I had written in 2003, we just jammed it through because we had the tax credit, even though it ended up not applying because we shot it after the window from the, where the tax credit was applicable. But, um, yeah, that was sort of like how this, this is, that's a long version. So then after I made Life After Beth and, you know, we did good with the sale of the movie. So my investors felt confident enough to sort of like throw me a bone and let me do what I wanted. And so we kind of came back to this project and, you know, we made it for really cheap and shot it in 15 days and, you know, I got together a bunch of people that I think are sort of a dream team for me, um, comedically and dramatically as well. And we shot it and edited it and scored it and released it. So when when you guys had to abandon it, was there a script? What what point were you at in the conversation about John? It was more just sort of a it was less than an outline. It was sort of mm-hmm. like a general idea. We, you know, we had, we had like, I think a hundred day lead, hundred days lead time from when we knew we were getting the credit until when we were actually going to make mm-hmm. it. So I just was sort of thinking like, I know what the, the structure is. I know the general bones of it. Like I know what it is, but you know, truthfully at that time when we were going to make it, it was sort of the, iter- the iteration of that was we had, um, Chris Pratt was going to play the Joshi character. Ben Schwartz was going to play the Alex Ross Perry character. And, um, and it was uh, Jake Johnson was going to play, I guess, the who became the Nick Kroll character. Hmm. That's funny. Yeah. But then uh, I, yeah. So, I mean, what I'm curious about is at that time, what was the story that grabbed you? Uh, what was the story that you wanted to tell? The sort of the, the most bare bones sort of reductive version of it is a... Uh, a guy who was supposed to get married, whose wedding falls apart because his fiance. I, I don't know if I should spoil it because it feels you can like spoil it. We can assume people have. You seen think it. I, and I if should, not, it's you, not a. You it's not a. Don't spoil it. Um, yeah, it's a, a, a guy whose fiance um, takes herself out of the equation before before he's supposed to get married, and so uh, they had the deposit down still for the the bachelor party house, like in Tahoe or wherever it was that we initially wanted to have it be. I think it was Ohio, and then. Um, then they decide to go through with it anyway, mainly because, you know, after a couple months of just sort of being outside of the social circle and kind of just obviously being more introspective, he feels like he wants to kind of reach out. And then um, it becomes a total shit show. It's sort of like that was the basic idea of it. Um, what were you looking to explore in this? Like what's, what's interesting to you other than that to the plot? I say primarily sort of the the weird way that guys communicate with one another, sort of the, the the difficulty in articulating emotions and, and sort of the way trauma isn't so clean the way we deal with it. We don't, we don't just get over it. We don't just go through the cooler off stages of grief and then like check out, check the list off and then just be like, yeah, we're cool. Like generally it's a lot of evasion and obfuscation and, um, I'm just always fascinated by that. And, you know, uh, I had a funny conversation with Lauren Weedman, who plays the prostitute who shows up later in the movie. She had a, a lady friend whose uh, girlfriend uh, um, broke up with her. And so all of her friends, I think it was like 25 women, just descended upon Seattle and sort of were there to sort of grieve this relationship with this woman and were just so ready to get into it. And from my experience, when something bad happens to a guy, it's almost like you have like some kind of disease everyone wants to kind of avoid because, like, God forbid you actually get into it. So, um, yeah, for me, that was sort of exploring that thing, which I feel like I haven't really seen too much of. Because generally, movies, for the most part, are a little bit more articulate than people are. So, you know, <laughs> people tend to write characters saying the perfect thing, you know, like sort of the, you know, the esprit d'escalier, like the thing you kind of mm-hmm. wish you had said. 
a lot of times writers would project that onto their screenplay and then make these little perfect moments that kind of encapsulate what it's like to go through this whole process. And for me, I wanted to create something a little bit more, I think, ambiguous and contingent that mm-hmm. sort of felt a little bit more like what real life is like, where the, the drama for me is sort of the ev- evasion. So I thought mm-hmm. that was worth exploring. Well, it feels like you created characters who can each sort of take a piece of that, you know, of that theme where they're they're dealing with uh, Joshi's trauma in different mm-hmm. ways. Yeah. Um, talk about about creating those characters. Yes. Yeah, so for I think part of uh, I think the execution, the way it kind of came about, was um, I wanted to find characters that were projecting onto Joshi what this weekend is and sort of what he is to them. Mm-hmm. And so even the title itself is called Joshy. Um, it's, it's what Adam Pally calls Josh. And Nicole calls him Joshua. And Alex Ross Perry calls him Josh. Like, everyone has a different name for him. And sort of that signifies their idea of who he is and, to a greater extent, what this weekend symbolizes. So everyone's sort of bringing their own baggage. Everyone's going through their own shit. And then, like, coming to this weekend and projecting onto it what it will be. And at no point are they even really... Not, not that they're not there for him. They're all there for him. They love him. He's their friend. But everyone's sort of got this myopic, sort of caught up in their own bullshit thing that ultimately kind of plays itself out over the weekend. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to find, I, I sort of wanted to create a spectrum of people. So if you kind of created a spectrum, you have like Alex Ross Perry, who's sort of more the bookish, um, who is probably one of the most articulate people in the movie. And then on one side of the spectrum, then you have Brett Gelman on the other side of the spectrum, who is sort of like a complete mess, who's just there to treat it like a straight-up bachelor party. And then, you know, uh, Middle Ditch falls probably closer to the Alex Ross Perry side, in between maybe him and, and Anna Pally, and Quill falls between Pally and Gelman. And I kind of wanted to have this broad spectrum of sort of not archetypal guys, because I didn't want it to be really sort of just mm-hmm. the, you know, like I didn't want to create stereotypical guys, but something that felt kind of familiar that we all kind of know, there's, there's certain sort of modes of behavior that guys exhibit that I think we can kind of identify and that's sort of what I was kind of building off of. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. And so tell me about, I mean, whose story is it to you? Is, is this movie? Um, I mean, ultimately I think it's uh, Pally's character story. Mm -hmm. Um, It's coming. It's, I think we see more from his perspective than anyone else. Um, that's why I call it Joshi because it's 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 skewed a little bit more towards his side. You know, after we see the opening where we get a sense of Middle Ditch and his character, we immediately go to Pally's character, and then we're sort of experiencing that weekend through Pally mm-hmm. to some extent. I mean, we're not completely subjective, I and mean, it is somewhat objective, and we're you know bouncing around when he's not. There's there's definitely tons of scenes without him, but um, I think since that was the genesis that that conversation with Pally and I is where it came from. Like I always sort of rooted it with him. I mean, ultimately, it is Joshi's movie. It is Mildred's movie. But sort of the structure of it was intentionally marginalizing his character to some extent mm-hmm. because that's what those guys are doing on that weekend. They're sort of um, subordinating him and his experience to their own. Mm-hmm. So I think if you did the math, probably it's Pally's movie more than anyone. But, I mean, ultimately, the at the core, it's, it's Mildred's movie. Mm-hmm. And it is an ensemble, too. Yeah. Um, and I'm curious to hear about juggling those storylines, those threads, because as you say, each character does have something going on. Each character is trying to get something out of this weekend. Yeah, I mean, I love, I love ensemble pieces. I, love, I mean, I love working with actors. I love kind of tracking people's trajectories and watching them interact with one another and creating ripples that then interact with other ripples and for me that's that's what's really fascinating in in storytelling like as opposed to just sort of tracking like an, a from a to b story i like things where they get a little bit more complicated and mm-hmm. uh more braided 
And so, uh, yeah, the intention was always to kind of have sort of a broader scope instead of it sort of being just a character study. It's sort of almost, I mean, this sounds pretentious, but it's almost like a sociological study of guys as opposed to sort of just a, you know, singular point of view. Mm -hmm. Sure. Um, From a nuts and bolts perspective, how did you start to plot out these storylines? You know, the the crossing over of Mm -hmm. stuff and the way that everybody sort of bumps into each other. That's hard to do from from a plotting standpoint. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, like you know, I ultimately this movie wasn't outline. It didn't really ever become a script. So it it, it was an eighteen page outline. I I just sort of, you know, I beaded out the basic beats for each character. I knew where they started, where they ended, and, and somewhere where they were going to be in the middle. Mm-hmm. Can you give us an example of that? Uh-huh. Like like um, an easy one for you? An easy one. So Brett Gellman's character, for instance. Mm-hmm. So Brett's character is a function of Nick Kroll's character. So he he shows up because uh, Kroll realizes there's only three other guys there this weekend, and Kroll wants to party, and he wants to use this as an excuse to kind of get Joshy out of his headspace and figures the best way to do it is you know booze and drugs and strippers, etc. And so he invites someone who would basically back him up and be an advocate for that point of view. And invites Brett Gelman along. And so Brett starts off as sort of the consummate party guy who just wants to have a good time. But I always knew that, you know, that's masking sort of some serious darkness and damage. And so you knew you'd have to explore that. So at first you sort of get, there's little moments. There's a scene in the, um, in a casino when they're first hanging out. And, you know, Brett mentions for a second, like, I got to be careful. And it's, it's such a throwaway line that no one really would ever pick up on. But you're just like, okay, that's a little creepy. Like, what's going on with this? And then they're, like, partying in a hot tub. And at one point, Gelman says to um, Pally, like, you know, my sister's beautiful. And she's a dental hygienist. And she makes her own, you know, she makes good money. And it's like, okay, what, where, where are you going with this? Like, something's a little off with this guy. And then, of course, the drugs get involved. And once, once you know, he starts getting a little messed up on the drugs, then the wall kind of comes down and a guy who ostensibly should be the, the least impactful and sort of the guy who's sort of just floating on the edges and sort of helping everyone else then becomes the center of attention with his drama. And, you know, then it almost becomes like we're now we're sidetracked dealing with Gelman's drama. And then we sort of watch, I don't want to ruin the movie, but we watch him sort of, I guess, heal himself in, <laughs> um, in a pretty inappropriate way. <laughs> and, and then, you know, sort of is, doesn't really fix anything, never really like actually resolves anything. But I guess emotionally he's able to get something off his chest or, I mean, not off, off of his whatever, <laughs> and then is able to sort of, like, move on and keep going, just in, giving himself just enough motivation to, like, keep going. Mm-hmm. And so for me it was never about finding resolution with all these characters because no one has resolution. It was almost like getting in touch with something, um, feeling it, and then feeling it kind of go away and sort of noting that absence. So for me there was, like, a very strong element of absence in this movie, I mean, there's primarily the absence of the wedding that's supposed to happen. But then, I mean, the goal for me at the end of the movie, when it ends, like literally as the credits come up, is that you almost feel like like something, like it's almost like the circus left town. Like you're like, I never really, like I kind of miss these guys, but like I'm, I'm exhausted, like I'm ready to get out of there. But like at the same time, it feels so unresolved. Like, because that's what these weekends kind of feel like. They're always sort of strange and unresolved and confusing and, uh, you know, sort of emotionally challenging. Mm-hmm. But you have to measure that against uh, a satisfying story experience, yeah. I would imagine. Yeah. So, so how do you start to do that? Well, I mean, not to, once again, be reductive, but, like, I think when you're, when you're telling a story, you know, at some point you want to have some kind of catharsis. And whether or not every single character has a catharsis, there's at least one character that sort of is a surrogate for that experience. So this movie has that. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I think 
um, and maybe it's a little too sort of ironic in terms of my um, approach, but there, there are definitely moments where you think something's going to happen that doesn't happen. And so the defying of those expectations to some extent is a little bit of a, a little bit of a boost. I don't know whether it's, it's not necessarily cathartic, but it does feel like within the framework of like how you tell a story by taking these sort of jukes and j- 